Welcome to season two of Sundays with Wendy. My name is Wendy Goldberg, founder of the Benjamin Goldberg Foundation. This season is a glimpse into our work and some of the amazing people we have collaborated with to bring our mission to life. Since inception in 2018, we have supported the Children's Hospital of the King's Daughters with a donation of infusion backpacks to allow patients to receive treatment in the comfort of their own homes and the recent naming of the hospital's hematology oncology playroom and our latest project, the Peace Out Portal, a virtual playroom that brings free and easy access anytime, anywhere for children and families to explore music, art, movement, and other healing resources on their medical journey. Thank you for listening. To learn more, visit www.benjamingoldbergfoundation.org. Hi, Kate. How are you today? I'm great. How are you, Wendy? Good. I'm so glad um, we finally could connect like this and, um, you know, share a little bit about both our organizations. I know. I'm so excited too. It's definitely um, a long time coming because what we talked about this months ago or something like that. Mm Yeah, it was, yeah, at least maybe six months ago. And, um, you know, I was thinking about how we even originally connected and started talking and it was through, um, a mutual friend of ours in the nonprofit community who said, you, you guys need to get together. And we did. Right. Yep. So we're finally here talking about our joint mission. So Wendy, why don't you just like recap for us, you know, what Benjamin Goldberg is, how it got started, you know, and your role, all that kind of thing. Right. Um, well, you know, I, my name is Wendy Goldberg and I am founder of the Benjamin Goldberg foundation. And we started, um, uh, in 2018 and, um, in honor and memory of my son, Ben, who, um, had a rare cancer called neuroblastoma and he was treated here at our local children's hospital. And he was also treated at Sloan Memorial Kettering cancer center. And it was in our time there that we really, um, got exposed to the creative art therapies. And I really saw, um, the importance of them when a family's going through treatment. And so, you know, it took me some time to kind of gather myself to be able to, you know, um, to do more and to really do this in a meaningful way. But now we are, you know, working with the children's hospital and bringing some of these programs, um, to the hospital and, um, you know, raising the awareness in the community. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Well, I come to it not from the founder perspective, which sometimes makes me jealous, um, but we had we have an amazing founder at Tidewater Arts Outreach. Her name is Marianne Tobos, um, and about 17 years ago, which is wild to me, um, she had this vision for um, bringing arts experiences to older adults in particular. Um, she saw a real need in senior living communities, um, hospitals, day support centers, that type of um, setting for bringing creative um, experiences. And, um, you know, I, I think the emphasis at the beginning was definitely music. She is a musician and that was, um, that's her passion, but it quickly expanded to visual arts, drama, performing arts, um, and even literary arts, which is, um, you know, something that we do a lot more of now. Um, so that, you know, that's kind of the beginning. I uh, started with the organization as the director of development back in 2018 and uh, became the executive director last fall uh, in the middle of a pandemic. So that was exciting times. Um, but we are, we are now, you know, doing all sorts of programs everywhere. Uh, program demand has really increased, which I'll talk about more why that's happening later. Awesome. So, you know, so tell me why, why do you feel like your mission is important? 
So I think often when I start with, oh, I'm Tidewater Arts Outreach and we bring arts programs to older adults and adults experiencing isolation, the very first reaction is that's nice. And it is nice. And I don't want anyone to ever think like, you know, um, yeah, like, oh, you know, I'm saying the wrong thing by saying that. It's it's not that. Um, but I would submit that it's essential. Um, I like statistics. I write a lot of grants. And so I end up, you know, doing a lot of research. And um, I have some honestly not very pleasant statistics uh, that I share with people when we talk about our mission. Um, and the first is that when it comes to older adults in this country, ages 50 to 80, about um, 56% of them now, and this is after the pandemic onset, um, experience significant loneliness and social isolation. We're talking about that, like you can be in a crowded room and still feel like you have no one and there's no one to talk to um, sensation. And uh, about 40% of adults who are experiencing a chronic illness or a debilitating disability also have this sense of profound isolation. And 47% of adults with um, a mental health um, you know, condition that they're either seeking treatment for or is just undiagnosed um, also experience the significant loneliness. So we're talking about like, you know, almost half the population um, experiencing just like so much loneliness all the time. And when I explain the loneliness factor, I sometimes get the, oh, that's that's nice that you're helping with loneliness. And I'm like, okay, so let me continue because loneliness in older adults in particular, it increases your risk for dementia by 50%, wow. um, your risk for stroke and heart attack by anywhere from 29 to 32%. So when we're talking about combating loneliness, we're actually talking about a public health crisis. We're not talking about, you know, oh, it's nice if we can make people feel less lonely. We're saying that if we're gonna have good health outcomes in this country, we need to combat isolation and the arts just have this profound way of, um, of getting right, you know, through a lot of barriers and helping people feel more connected with those around them, more connected with themselves. Like you can be lonely from yourself, um, which I think we've all learned during this mm -hmm. pandemic. And, um, so that's like what I like to drive home about this mission is this is essential um, to the wellness of our citizens in this country. It's not just, oh, it's a nice thing to have. Right. I feel the same way. Like, um, you know, the things that we talk about, like creative arts, the music, the art, the movement, movement dance. I mean, it is something so essential to, to our being, you know, and I, sometimes I question, how do we, how did we get far away, so far away from that? Right. I think that, you know, the more holistic approach is, um, you know, has been celebrated in the past. And then maybe as we've, you know, I, I think that not that I don't think an emphasis on STEM is a good thing. Like I think it is. Um, and we, we definitely need more of that in this country, but I prefer the STEAM acronym that includes the A in there. Um, because I think that even in sciences, there is like, there is creativity and artistic, um, you know, avenues in sciences and engineering. I mean, even in like, you know, something like architecture, that is an art, you know, there is, mm -hmm. there is like a visual, you know, beauty to it that isn't ne always necessary to like the structure or, or whatnot. So I think that, you know, we, we definitely need to get back to like, let's, let's integrate all of that education wise. And, and then that comes out in when we're talking about like healthcare and wellness that it's like, we need to wrap around 
all of these things. And I think you, you've seen um, at Benjamin Goldberg, you know, like the, the type of outcomes that I'm talking about, like the improved health outcomes or improved wellness outcomes when, um, you know, when children are experiencing uh, treatments for medical conditions. Am I correct? Right. And I can't speak to um, it as I'm not a medical practitioner. Right. <laughs> However, from, you know, experiencing and witnessing in, in other families, I mean, I think that when, when the, you bring in these creative arts, it not only helps the child, it helps the family and ultimately the staff of the hospital. And that can only, you know, and only affect maybe, maybe not technically the outcome per se, but maybe the treatment goes better, or maybe they're dismissed from the hospital a little earlier, or maybe they, you know, the, they don't need as many medications as, as they thought in the beginning. So those are the kinds of things that I think are, that are really powerful. And sometimes they're hard to nail down with data, but that is, you know, there is science behind it, but not as much, you know, I, I think it's, it's being collected. Mm-hmm. Right in a more meaningful way now. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. The research is getting so much better in this area for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Wendy, what, describe one of your programs um, at the Children's Hospital. Like what, if someone were just to like walk in randomly, what would they see? Okay, so just recently we, um, the hospital approached us about the naming of the hematology oncology um, playroom on the fifth floor. So it is called the Benjamin Goldberg playroom. So that is really exciting. Um, you know, right now during COVID there's, you know, there's not as much activity or programming that can happen in that space, but what we were hoping is that it would be kind of, um, a center, if you will, for some of the, um, that there is a music therapist, at the hospital. Now there is an art therapist, so they could have groups and all. So that is just such a wonderful, um, thing for us to, to know that some of those things are in the works. And, you know, our latest project is called the peace out portal. And so, you know, a lot of times we were in the hospital for long sense of time, you know, 13 days. And sometimes you even couldn't, the playroom could be open, but maybe Ben wasn't feeling well enough to go, or maybe he felt like going in, it was closed. So I really felt strongly that we could create a virtual space and it just so happened it was COVID. So we kind of really connected with practitioners in our community and outside, um, some dance therapists, art therapists, um, physical therapists who could bring some of these modalities into one space. So someone could pop on and there's a music room and there is a movement room and there is videos on acupressure and all sorts of different things that can really, you know, to help a family relax or to help learn about, you know, what these things are. Cause what, what I experience is a lot of times when we say these things, you know, creative arts therapies are in line with integrated medicine, you know, people get a dazed overlook. They don't know that these <laughs> even exist. And so, you know, I think a lot of what we're doing is just sharing information right now. Absolutely. Um, and I love how you talked about, you know, sometimes your, your focus is not just the person, the pa- you know, patient in this case, you're talking about the whole family. Um, and that, that is huge, especially when we're talking about, you know, something that can be isolating, like going through, um, you know, a significant diagnosis, a treatment for, you know, any kind of medical condition like that, that can make the family feel like we're the only ones going through this. And, mm-hmm you know, and, and so, yes, obviously the patient is kind of at the center of, of the storm, but I mean, the parents and siblings and, and, you know, other primary caretakers, I mean, they're going to be right, right there next to them. And, Mm -hmm. um, it's very easy to kind of forget that they also need, 
you know, they also need services. I love the the peace out uh, terminology. Like yeah, it was always like peace out. It was like right. Ben would always, you know, was notorious for his headphones. So it was his safe space, you know, before treatment or after treatment, he would put his, he'd make playlists and, you know, it was a way for him to check out and in such a beautiful way, but he was also willing to say, here's my playlist. Do you want to see it and share it with other people? So, um, yeah, I mean, it would, I just sometimes feel so grateful that we had these experiences, you know, when I look back and know that we, we could, it, it just created a way for, for all of us to stay connected. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, and I mean, I think the evidence is sitting right here with me right now, Wendy, like you, you've taken a, an extremely painful experience, you know, let, I, I never want to minimize what you've been through, but you have, you know, you've turned it into a, a mechanism for bringing, you know, healing experiences to others. Um, and, you know, I, and I think that introducing people into creative arts therapies, um, like you're describing when they're in the midst of some of the most difficult things that they're ever going to go through. I mean, I, I just cannot even imagine, um, so I'm not myself a parent, so I, I don't have that at all, but, um, you know, that's, it's, it's like wonderful to hear your story and how you're, you know, you, you, you're, it's like a Phoenix rising from the ashes type thing, you know, where, where it's, Yeah. I don't know what else to say about well, it. Thanks. No, and, and I, I say this sometimes and like, I feel like it's not something that I like necessarily wanted to do, but when I started exploring what I was going to do, everyone came together. Like we called Sloan, we went up and they shared their program. CHKD said, sure, let's do, I mean, it was like every, all of these little pieces came together and how could, you know, and, and that's when I really think it's, it's way bigger than me. It's way bigger than Ben, you know, the, there is such a need in the community for, for these things. And when we, we took some of the COVID time and we talked, we reached out to local pediatricians and other practitioners and what, what the response was like green light go, you know, not only do the children in treatment need it all, you know, we really feel that we are seeing our kids and our, you know, in our general practice needed as well. So that's when you really feel like, wow, I mean, this is something to, um, you know, and then it, I, it, it became very clear that I needed to get very clear about how I was going to share this and how, how we were going to, um, you know, create a platform, you know, and, um, do some amazing things. So cool. Yeah. Yeah. At, um, at TAO, we, uh, when I get the fly on the wall question of like, what does this program look like? First of all, I'm usually like, well, which program, um, we do have, <laughs> a lot of different things, but to kind of like boil it down to something very basic, um, our mission is to bring the arts experience to the people that we're trying to serve. Um, so we're looking for where older adults or adults experiencing isolating circumstances, where are they already receiving services? And often that's senior living communities, it's hospitals, it's day support centers, it's shelters, it's hospice providers, it's in-home healthcare. Um, so we we partner with these other um, you know, services and businesses that are already serving who we're trying to get to. And then we bring the arts program to their various care settings. So that might be in a hospital, similar to how you're delivering your services. Um, it might be in the senior living communities, community room or, you know, living area. You know, they're all kind of designed a little bit differently. 
It might be delivering experiences through home health aides directly into the home of older adults. Um, so that's, we, we use these program partners as we call them um, as conduits for the arts experience. And, and we're very clear, um, you know, we're not do, you know, I know you guys are very much in the therapy space. We, we are very clear that we are not in the therapy space, that we're in the wellness space, um, but we're still, we still leverage creative partners for the same purpose. So we have a huge artist roster of, you know, musicians and visual artists and dramatists and creative writers and, and, um, and we send them into these different settings. And I was actually just talking with my program director earlier about how um, we ask so much of our artists because they're used to, you know, they're maybe used to producing art for, um, for ticketed events or for a party type atmosphere, you know, celebratory things or putting on a new show or uh, it's a new gallery at the museum and, and things that are, you know, maybe a little more focused on like the art itself. And we're asking them to leverage their art for wellness for those that they're serving. It's very much like a service model. And, um, and our artists, I mean, first of all, they're usually like terrified at the beginning. They're like, what are you asking me to do? But they're so, because I think because they see the world very differently than, you know, than like the typical healthcare provider, like, you know, like that's why they can make such a great team with, you know, the care team that's already in place is, you know, the care team has, you know, goals and, you know, uh, objectives that they're trying to meet. And then the artist comes in with like just a completely different perspective and is able to, you know, kind of maybe lift that person out of what they're in at that moment, because we all know, again, I think we can all learn from the pandemic in this past year and a half. Like we can't stay in like the facts and the, and the brutal like truth of what's going on all the time as human beings, like we need to be able to like exit peace out, as you said, um, you know, on a regular basis, not that we need to check out from reality. That's a different problem, mm -hmm. but, um, but we need, we need the ability to like be removed from that sphere for, you know, an hour at a time, a couple minutes a day, at least, you know, let me lose myself in painting something. Let me lose myself in journaling. Let me like, let me just get, get into that experience so that I'm not necessarily sitting here thinking about like, you know, tomorrow I have another chemo treatment or, you know, I, um, you know, I don't remember this person's name anymore. And I know I should, you know, all of those things that, you know, can plague uh, the people that we're serving. So that's, um, that's what we're doing. It's, uh, it's super cool and challenging all at the same time. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, and I love when, when you and I first connected, you shared a video with me and it, it really, I mean, I got full body chills, I think in tears and I just love seeing, you know, what we're talking about and you see it, you can see it in the person they change, Absolutely. you know, and kids. So can you share a story? Can you share that story with us? Oh um, yeah. Um, so one of my favorite, um, programs that we do here, it's actually our, um, our annual fundraiser, but it's the once more concert and, uh, it's called once more. It was actually the brainchild of a previous executive director. Um, but it's called once more because it's that, um, it's, it's that play on words where you go up to like maybe a grandparent or some other kind of like, uh, you know, older member of the family and say, tell me once more about, 
dot, dot, dot. So, you know, tell me about your stories, tell me a memory, you know, tell me something, a family history. And um, so we, the Once More concert pairs songwriters um, from this region with uh, older adults also from this region. So we have four pairings, uh, usually in each concert. And the songwriter meets their inspiration. That's what we call the older adults. And, um, you know, interviews them, kind of learns more about their story and the challenges and their favorite memories and, uh, you know, what their families were like and all that kind of thing. And then the songwriter writes a song about their inspiration. And it's very cool because sometimes the songwriter is very literal and it's like, you know, you know, those country songs that like literally tell the story of like Mm -hmm. a girl and her father or something like that. Um, So sometimes they're like that. And other times they're very much like taking the philosophy of the person, um, you know, and, and putting it into a musical, you know, work. So um, I'm trying to remember which one I shared with you. I think it was, um, the one with Will Overman and Emily Filer, if yes. I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because and what was interesting about their parent, this was the, I, you can't make this stuff up. Okay. So <laughs> this is my favorite story because of this. Um, Emily Filer started a, uh, uh, nonprofit in Hampton Roads called Lee's Friends. And Lee's Friends uh, does wraparound services for families who are experiencing a cancer diagnosis. Um, honestly, in a very similar vein to what you're trying to achieve with the Benjamin Goldberg Foundation. Uh, so, you know, someone in the family uh, is diagnosed with cancer. And of course, obviously, as we said earlier, the patient's at the center of it, but the family is also very much going through it. And when Emily first started, um, Lee's friends. Um, and she started it because of her daughter, Lee, who she lost to Hodgkin's disease. And, um, uh, she, she, Emily will tell you that when, um, when she was going through this with Lee, that there was like a, uh, the statistics, it was like a 92% rate of like families breaking up over, Mm-hmm. something uh, over a cancer diagnosis, like over a significant illness um, and, and then losing the person. So losing a child would like blow up the family. And, um, you know, and to Emily, obviously this became very, very close and personal. And Lee's friend is meant to, you know, come alongside the family and help them achieve uh, better outcomes, whether the, per- you know, whether the person who um, is going through cancer survives or not. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously the goal is always survival and, and trying to achieve the best health outcomes. But when it, when it doesn't happen, um, you know, trying to stick with the family and make sure that they, you know, the family unit is, is still there at the end of it. So that's Emily. And then Will Overman, our songwriter, um, he actually, his wife um, went through cancer twice and has survived, thankfully. Um, and he's, you know, he, uh, he's like 30 something years old, uh, maybe, maybe younger, actually, he might be mad at me if I, <laughs> but he's like a young adult, right? And Emily's older. Um, but when the two of them came together, first of all, when we first paired them, we didn't realize the, the, like the similar experiences until after the pairing. And I remember calling them and being like, I did not do this on purpose. Are you guys okay? You know, talking about this experience, and they're both like, "Oh yeah, we're great." And when they came together for their interview, and I mean, I have I have the videos that I can share with anyone who needs them. But it was it 
they were so strong. (laughs) Like they, they were able to talk to each other as if there was no age gap. And uh, I mean, like they knew, like they could understand each other so quickly and they were so just, again, strong about it. They were able to, you know, uh, share the experience and, um, and it was hard for them. Obviously it wasn't like, Oh, you know, whatever, but, but like me and the production crew are losing it, you know, in the background and they're, they're just very like, you know, well, like wellness had been achieved for them. You know what I mean? Like they Mm -hmm. had clearly come out of this just amazing people. And, um, so the song that Will ended up writing for Emily was, it was, uh, kind of from her daughter's perspective as if she was like watching her mother, but like about her mother, you know, and, and, and it was like, yeah, so can share the song with anyone who's interested in hearing it. Uh, as you said, it's one of those like body chills, tears, like mm-hmm. all these things. Um, I remember after we debuted that at the concert, lots of people were texting going like, yeah, okay. Thanks. Like I'm now, you know, now I see it running down my face. <laughs> so mm-hmm. anyway, but yeah, that's my absolute favorite story. Do you have like a favorite experience? Uh, you know, something that, you oh, I have so many, of? but I think, you know, recently, um, you know, it was a very special day for us. We brought Ben's dance therapist from Sloan Kettering, um, to CHKD. She did a grand rounds at the hospital. She spent the whole day. She met with the residents. She was in the playroom. She met with the stakeholders group, but I remember I was in the playroom and, um, sitting and she was, she just met the music therapist very organically. They just started doing their thing and four kids came in and, you know, children who were in treatment, you know, kind of like wobbling in one had a feeding tube. I mean, clearly not feeling well. And they start working together and you could see these children just light up. They, their posture was better. You know, they're engaging with each other. And one of them left to get, I, I, I assumed to get a med- medication and came back into playroom. And he just happened to sit next to me on this ball. And I said, um, did you like that? And he said, I did. And he started banging on his little ball, like a drum and humming. And I'm thinking to myself, I just had this surreal moment. Like I was like, wow, everything that I experienced there and I wanted to bring here is here and is happening. And now people can, you know, cause it's one thing for a parent to say it and you know, like, okay, yeah, that's cute. But I mean, when they experience it with the children in their hospital, it, I feel like that's when things changed and opened the doors a little bit. And it was just a beautiful moment for me. That's amazing. And Mm -hmm. I I think it's like, when you see it all come together, like I still, when I visit programs, I visited a program last night that I walked out and was like, wow, I get to do this. You know, like I, Mm -hmm. you know, it's sometimes it's really hard and, you know, running, as you know, running a nonprofit is not a joke. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's a difficult situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but it's a privilege because, you know, mm-hmm. like your, your outcomes are about, you know, bettering the world, <laughs> you know, like that's, that's what you're right. It's that whatever the ripple effect is that I may never see in my lifetime, you know, I mean, what, and it doesn't, I don't have to know, I don't have to, but you, you know, what you're doing is important. Right. And, um, you know, you're right. It's I'm honored you know, to share whenever yeah. I can. Mm-hmm. I think whenever you get glimpses of that ripple effect, cause you can never see it all um, mm-hmm. probably overwhelming if you did. Um, but, but when, when every once in a while, like you'll see a moment and you're like, oh my gosh, that must, that's happening a lot more than I thought, you know, like I mm-hmm. didn't realize, you know, and it's, it's, 
It's so cool. Um, so Wendy, how does someone get involved with the Benjamin Goldberg Foundation? Like, do you have to be a therapist to get involved? Like what's the, you know, Right. Well, right now we're still in this collaboration phase, you know, our, our pre COVID, our, our vision was to have a center, you know, the Benjamin Goldberg center for healing, something, something similar where we could house some of these things. And, you know, all of that got halted, of course, um, you know, and our focus has gone to in this virtual realm with the portal, but, um, you know, a lot, we get a lot of requests. People want to volunteer their time. You know, we have a gala coming up in February, um, that we we're going to need some help with, um, you know, but as far as like the practitioners, what we do is kind of, we're creating a community of practitioners and maybe connecting them with, you know, does the hospital need someone? Maybe I could, you know, make an introduction, something like that, but we're always looking for, you know, I'm, I do a podcast. I'm doing a series of interviews now with, um, I've done art therapy, music therapy, um, yoga, meditation. So anybody who wants to reach out and share some of their expertise and, um, to a broader audience, we're always willing to, you know, to get with, mm -hmm. awesome. and how about you? Um, and so just so you, our website is www.benjamingoldbergfoundation.org. Um, and, um, they can reach out, um, our emails and my staff's email is on there as well. Perfect. Um, for TAO, we actually have a really exciting volunteer opportunity uh, right now. Uh, we're finally, we, we finally launched it like, and it was like scary because it's definitely COVID makes it a challenging opportunity. Uh, but we, we think we're able to like slowly start getting this going. Um, it's the adopt a community volunteer program. Um, so we, we constant, we, first of all, we have like 30 to 40 programs happening a month right now. And there's two staff people. Wow. So we're, yeah, so we're running around five different directions. And so we need volunteers to help us uh, do what we call host programs. So, you know, making sure the artist has settled in, has arrived safely, helping with, you know, sometimes, uh, especially with the visual arts programs, like helping um, the participants engage with it. Um, you know, just kind of being the eyes and ears at the program itself and making sure all is well, um, making sure surveys get done, you know, that type of thing. Um, but what, after a, a conversation with uh, Stacy, my program director, we realized that it would be much more effective if we had the same volunteer at the same community or setting on a regular basis so mm -hmm. that it wasn't just like, you know, sometimes the artists, sometimes they're, they're steady artists, you know, we have partners who use the same artists regularly, and sometimes they rotate. Um, so our, you know, the artists do try to like make connections with the people that they're working with, but that's not always possible depending on how the programming is structured, but the volunteer, um, if they're the, if it's the same volunteer, no matter which artist, then that can, you know, give them the ability to kind of connect with someone from the TAO side on a regular basis. Like, you know, if I'm a resident at X community and, um, you know, I might, it might be painting one month, it might be music the next month but I know that this particular TAO volunteer, we'll call him Bob, mm -hmm. is going to be there, you know, every single time. And that becomes kind of my, my, my connection, my, my connection association with the program. So, um, so if anyone's interested in that type of work, we definitely, um, we're, we're, I think we're up to like 31 program partners this year, and we're going to start about nine more before 2021 ends. So we've got plenty of opportunities, plenty of settings, you know, different times and days and, and whatnot. And it's not, it's all very low pressure. We just tell you when the programs are scheduled, if you 
can make it great. If you can't, it's not a big deal. You know, everybody works or, you know, has children and responsibilities, like not, you know, it's, uh, it's not meant to be like a, you know, a job necessarily, but just an opportunity. So our website for more information about that and everything else that we're doing is tidewateroutreach.org. Arts is plural. I like to say that. Um, and it's .org, not .com. Though I think if you use .com, you'll technically get there, but I wouldn't touch that. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and all of our contact information is up there. Um, everything about donating, our special events, everything else is on that website. Awesome. Um, yeah, well, I'm I'm just so glad we were able to connect today um, and and share, you know, a little bit more. Um, you know, I one of my favorite things is when I talk to people like you and just get to, you know, I love your passion that you bring to the organization, and it it definitely comes through. Oh, thank you. And I mean, your passion for your organization is, is very, um, is very palpable. I remember I didn't realize you were a CPA until like the end of our first conversation. You said something about like, oh, I'm a CPA. And I was like, you are? <laughs> like, yeah, that's the whole thing. It's a whole firm. It's <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly. And it's like, oh yeah. And I do this on the side. I was like, what? <laughs> like, so, I mean, it's, you know, I, it's I, Benjamin Goldberg is obviously so much of like who you are that it like, it, it just like, fills the whole room and you're almost it's like startling to realize like oh you have this whole other uh career as well so that's I think it's super cool that you're able to balance it TAO is my career and my passion so um and that's plenty like I have my husband but what I have to say is I the so important the way I the way I balance it is the arts you know like I am dedicated I go to yoga Pilates dance. I mean, you know, it, those are the things that truly ground me. Yes. Well, and I think, I I think when we're talking about like arts for wellness, like we're talking about the people we're trying to serve. Right. Mm -hmm. But what we learn, I think in doing this work is that we need it too. You know, Mm -hmm. that's, that's how we're going to, you know, that's Mm -hmm. how we're going to survive another day in Mm -hmm. order to keep producing these programs is having, you know, I'm a musician by trade, um, not saxophone. I know it kind of looks like it, but clarinet, which is better than saxophone. Um, uh, For those of you who are on audio only, there's a saxophone in the background (laughs) of of my recording here. So I often get the question like, do you play saxophone? No, I play clarinet. Um, But anyway, I, I think that that's, that's definitely like, we learn, you know, so much about like our own, you know, journeys of wellness. Like I was um, doing a demo the other day, a visual arts artist wanted to show me her acrylic pour um, program. And so I was doing it and I was just like having so much fun. And like my program director and I were like joking each other's, you know, work and like yours looks like you know, crazy. And (laughs) we were just messing around, but um, they both turned out beautifully. Uh, but it was, it was just, it was just half an hour of, again, suspending like the current experience. It, it had been a crazy week, you know, we're super busy, as I was saying earlier, and we were able just kind of like to, to exit out of it. And Wendy, I remember when we first um, talked, we were, uh, we made this joke about being the cake and not the icing, uh, you know, that's so, yeah, I, for, yeah I forgot this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like so often that, um, you know, people are like, oh, the, the that's nice thing about the mm-hmm. art and like, oh, it's just the icing on the cake. And we're like, no, we're part of the cake. If you don't have us in the cake, the cake falls down. Um, you know, people, people need creative expression. It is a need. Like, it's not, it's not just like, oh, that's nice to have. Mm-hmm. No, I think it's fundamental. Right. Absolutely. To healing. Like, I really do. I really do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I, I, I agree. We, uh, we refer to it as the healing power of the arts here. Mm-hmm. And I think it's fundamental to any society. And you'll, I mean, you'll see every society in this world has creative expression. They have art, they have music, they have dance. Um, you know, it, you, I've yet to come across a society that doesn't have, you know, these types of outlets for itself. And I think that should tell us something about what humans need. Yes, we just have to tap back into it. Exactly. Awesome. Well, it's been so wonderful to chat with you, Wendy. (laughs) I know anytime. Um, But, you know, hopefully this is just the beginning of maybe some things we can do together in the future. Absolutely. Well, until next time then. All right. Bye. Bye.